0: Good morning. morning. Uh, It's a great privilege once again, uh, as it often is, to come before you and share the Word of God. Um, And uh, we'll do that in a moment, but let's first open in a word of prayer. (coughs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for who you are and for what you've done for us. We pray that as we reflect on your words that you would give us encouragement and strength, and that the words that come out of my mouth would be from you and would be acceptable in your sight. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, if you've been here the last few times I have preached, uh, we are going through the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And today I want to talk about Enoch from Hebrews 11 verse 5. And then use that as a springboard into the characteristics of a godly man. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now one thing that I've always wondered about this story is, Enoch obviously had a wife, he had many sons and daughters. Yet one day, whatever Enoch was doing, God decided to take him home without seeing death. And I have to wonder what that was like for the rest of his family. I don't know how they found out or when they realized he was gone, but that's one of the things I want to ask about when I get to heaven. But the thing that strikes me always when we when we read about Enoch is there's not a lot written about Enoch. But he's one of the few people that God decided not to write any flaws about Enoch in the scriptures. We know that Enoch was a human, so we know that he wasn't perfect, but the testimony that Enoch has in the scriptures is one of godliness and holiness, and so as we study the characteristics of a godly man, I hope that we will keep Enoch in mind, and we will go back to him at the end of our time as well because there's more to share. But if you're, t- if you're taking notes, I have taken Enoch's name and I have one characteristics uh, characteristic of a godly man for each letter of his name. So if you're taking notes, the first letter is E. And the word for E is effectual. A godly man is effectual in what He does. The book of James says this, in James chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, and we will be all over the Scriptures today, so you can turn and follow me, or you can write down the Scriptures and look them up later. But it says in James five sixteen and 17, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that ye be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And sometimes when we look at, at the godly men in Scripture, we say, well, that man was must have been super godly because he did this great thing, and I'm just me living in Michigan in the 21st century. But the Apostle James goes out of his way to tell us that Elias, Elijah was a man like us. And if God can use Elijah the way he did to pray and cause rain not to come, then he can certainly use you and I. Here's what Abraham Lincoln said about this. He said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I have nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. And as we go through this, we must realize that God is the difference maker. We can get wisdom from any number of sources, quote-unquote wisdom, but the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to be an effectual man, that if you, if you choose to be a godly man and you seek godliness, God will help you to be effectual in completing the tasks that he has for you. I just want to say one more thing in this regard, and that is that God has a task for each one of us to do. It's specific to us. And so God isn't necessarily going to make it rain or not rain based on my prayers, but God told Elijah that this is how things were going to go. And so Elijah was used for the task that God had for him. And so may you be. All right, moving right along. N, a godly man, or woman for that matter, is narrow-minded. This is not a popular thing today. Many times people say, well, if the Bible states a narrow-minded position, then we need to reinterpret it To open it up to the world that we live in today. Because it's not possible for, for God, or anyone else for that matter, to realize what it's like to live in 21st century America. But the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we subscribe to a moral standard of the Bible, we're not subscribing to something that changes with the daily headlines. We're subscribing to something that God laid out because He knew what He was doing, because He created us. And so He has every right to command us. Jesus said it this way. He said, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life and few there be that find it. And when I read that passage, I feel like it was written yesterday. Because even some of the pastors that, that are supposed to be fundamental, they're supposed to believe the gospel and the power of the cross even some of those people are finding new interpretations. There was a, a group, I forget which group, but they came to the people that wrote in Christ alone and they, and they said, can we take the part about the wrath of God out of your song? And thankfully the writer said, no way. Because it's only as we realize the wrath of God poured out for sin that we can truly realize the mercy of God and the love of God. And this is something that people need to know today. It used to be more of a self-evident truth, at least within our church, but it is no longer so. So we as believers must define it without reservation or reserve. David Platt said this in his book Radical. He said radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort, not health, not wealth, and not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ. And he is more than enough for us. My question to you today is, do you believe that? Do you believe with all your heart that Christ is more than enough for you? And I ask myself the same question, because we need to be reminded. We need to be stirred up, as Peter says. So the godly man is effectual. The godly man is narrow-minded. And the godly man is obedient. When I think about obedience, I think of another guy that isn't mentioned a whole lot in Scripture, but when he is, he's mentioned in a positive light. And that is Joseph, the earthly father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We read in the book of Matthew, After the wise men had left, In Matthew chapter two it says and when they were departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose he took the young child and mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and there and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Matthew 2, verses 13 to 15. Now, of course, if Joseph was not obedient, God would have found another way to have his will fulfilled and Jesus preserved until the time that he would sacrifice himself. But it's significant to note that God chose Joseph because he knew he would be obedient to his commands. (coughs) Beloved, if you want to be used of God, show yourself to be obedient to His commands. And He will give you more duties. Jesus said, He that is faithful in little will be faithful also in much. Jerry Bridges said, The heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, obeyed by faith. Obedience is the pathway to holiness. No one will become holy apart from a life of faith. Faith enables us to claim the promises of God, but it also enables us to obey the commands of God. We cannot obey God by ourselves. There is nothing in man that wants to do the right thing. But when the Holy Spirit comes into a man, he changes him from the inside out. He takes his heart of flesh or heart of stone and puts in its place a heart of flesh. A godly man is courageous. We need courageous men today. We need men who will speak up for the truth of God. And who will do so in the public arena. People say that Christian faith is okay if it's private. But God didn't call us to keep our faith private. He called us to proclaim our faith to the world. And these people that are persecuted in other countries, that are in jail right now for the gospel, they're not there because they kept their mouths shut and their faith private. They are there because they proclaimed Christ and Him crucified. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 14 to 18, we read Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is it not true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if ye be ready at the time when you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the fiery furnace. And who is the God that shall deliver me, deliver you out of my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Daniel three fourteen 14-18 You know, I pray quite often that the Lord would strengthen me so that if the day comes that someone plows through that door behind us and starts arresting people for believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I would be strong enough to allow them to arrest me and torture me for the sake of the gospel. I don't feel strong enough right now. I'll admit that to you freely, but I want to be. Because Jesus said, he who gives his life will find it. A.W. Tozer said this, The true follower of Christ will not ask, If I embrace this truth, what will it cost me? Rather, you will say, This is truth. God help me to walk in it, let come what may. Are we willing to draw that line? I know sometimes it can be easy to excuse things. Sometimes I feel for my unbelieving friends that don't believe the way I do. And I want my human, in the way I think as a human, to make allowances. But I must realize that God's definite truth is definite for a reason and cannot be moved. The godly man is holy. A godly man is holy. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 15-16. This is a challenge. I, I, I wish in my human strength again that he had said, Do your best. But he didn't. He said, be holy in all manner of conversation. That means we can't make excuses when we're cut off in traffic. We can't make excuses when our brothers or sisters antagonize us or frustrate us because they know how to push our buttons. We can't make those excuses. I know I do. But this scripture is saying to be holy in all manner of conversation. Not, doesn't give any exceptions to the rule. And how great it is that we have an example of Jesus Christ who was holy in all manner of conversation. Who never said a word that he had to take back. Oh, that we would pursue that. Oh, that we would have that goal. R.C. Sproul said this, he said, if you don't delight in the fact that your Father is holy, 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 then you are spiritually dead. You may be in the church, you may go to Christian school, but if there is no delight in your soul for the holiness of God, you don't know God. You don't love God, you're out of touch with God, you're asleep to His character. You know, there's a lot of people who are not believers who talk about the love of God and they tell us that we need to know that that God is love. And yes, God is love. I know that. But God is also holy. And we can't throw holiness out in the name of love, for that is not love. Holiness and love go hand in hand. Because it's the love of God that put Jesus on the cross so that I could be holy. It's the love of God that has Jesus standing between earth and heaven, bridging the gap between me and hell. He became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God, and so could you. So, the godly man is effectual. The godly man is narrow-minded. The godly man is obedient. The godly man is courageous and the godly man is holy. And I'm sure that you could come up with other characteristics of a godly man, but I hope that as we go forth today, that those will be on your mind and on your heart. And mine as well. I just want to close by... Looking at a couple more passages about Enoch in particular, first from Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24, and Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah three hundred years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. And then we also read something that I think can easily be missed because we don't read Jude a lot. But in the book of Jude, second to last book of the New Testament, It says in Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying Behold the Lord cometh with thousands of his saints. You know Enoch was kind of a picture of what the coming of the Lord will be for us as his saints. God is coming to take his church home in the rapture and then he will deal with the rest of the earth through seven years of peril. And I know there may be varying beliefs about that, but I firmly believe that that is true. And I want to make an appeal to you today to trust Christ for your salvation, to commit to living a radical life, one that will not be easy. I think we sometimes give... Uh, a a too sanguine or too too, uh, antiseptic if you will uh, approach to giving the gospel because we talk about God being loved God completing you God giving you every good thing and he does that but he also puts challenges in our way He allows challenges in our way to mold us. And more than that, He is not loved. He is hated. And so His followers will also be hated. But if you trust Christ with your life, all the trials of this life will be swept away when you experience the glories of heaven. And the new heavens and the new earth. I, for one, am excited. Because there's a lot I haven't gotten to do on this earth. And I'm making a list of all the stuff I'm going to do when I get to heaven. When I have my new body. Hopefully I'll be a little taller. And uh, I will have my running shoes ready. Because I haven't done any running yet. But more important than that, I will see my Savior. And I will thrill to the fact that He invited me into His heaven. Not because of me, because of Him. And I want you to be there. So if you haven't trusted Christ, do so today. It will be the best decision you have ever made. Jesus said, He who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Ironclad guarantee from Scripture. And um, I just, I am so grateful to have this opportunity to share this message with you. I hope that you will pursue being a godly man. Think about these stories that we have talked about. Think about Elijah. He thought that he was the only one left. He ran into the desert and he was so depressed. And he was, You know, God had used him mightily. But he just said, God, let me die. And God said, you're not alone. There's 400 people that have not bowed their knees to Baal. And you need to be encouraged about that. Men, talking about the narrow-minded thing again. It's not an easy thing to do. Not an easy road to go. Even the disciples didn't understand much of what Jesus was telling them when He was on the earth. As a matter of fact, even when Jesus was going to die for our sins, Peter said, no. Far be it from you, Lord. Even though it was the only way. Peter is the one that brandished a sword. When Jesus was arrested. He wasn't a swordsman. That's why he cut off Malchus's ear. But he cared. But then, in Jesus' hour of need, he left, denied even knowing Jesus. And I'm sure he cried for days after that. But then, Jesus came to him, we know privately and then again in the upper room and spoke peace to him. Why? Because the sin question had been dealt with. Then we look at courageous people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego no doubt following the example of their friend Daniel. We don't read of Daniel in this passage, but I'm sure if he was there, he would have been right there with his friends. Why? Because they made a a commitment before God, before they were even in the situation, that they would respond in a godly way. And then holy. We are told to be holy in all manner of conversation. But it doesn't just happen. It's something that happens because we purpose it in our hearts. And because we surround ourselves with people that can help us, God did not call us to be solitary Christians. Even Paul always had partners, whether it was Barnabas or Silas or Timothy or Luke, always partners in the gospel. And so my closing appeal to you is to think about these stories once again and to know that with God's help, he can use you in similar ways. There's nothing different from you and Enoch. He was made of dust just like you. He was born of human parents just like you. But he was a living testimony, literally, of the grace of God. And what God can do for and through someone who will fully trust Him. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you for this opportunity to Share your word. To hear from the scriptures, Lord, about Enoch and how he walked with God. Lord, we would pray that you would help us to have a similar testimony. When everything about our life is swept away, it's really the only thing we can take with us. And Lord, we pray that in our walking with God that you would help us to encourage others to walk with God and that we would be walking with God together may this assembly and this town and this country turn our hearts to you not because we want to be great but because you are great Not because we want to make a name for ourselves, but because your name deserves honor and mercy, honor and glory and praise. We praise you and thank you for the gift of the Lord's Supper and how we were able to gather around the table this morning. And again, we praise you for this list of faithful men and women in Hebrews chapter 11. Pray that you would bless this message to us, that you would change us through it, and that you would be with us as we go through the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen.